Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Damien Marie at Hope. We discuss philosophy, morality, anarchism, religion, and geopolitics. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. Didact, a critical thinker, uh, and many other things. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, nice to be here. So yeah, I did, I, I, go I'm, ahead. A, I'm a lot of stuff, and that's why I have like a long list. But um, in general, I would just say I, I'm a natural philosopher. Like, like, like in other words, um, I can invent philosophy or ways of thinking, not just use ways of thinking. Like, in other words, some people are in philosophy, um, they can read other people's ideas, and then they can become enlightened, and then in a sense, even share those ideas or maybe come up with some new ones. Me, it's almost all my stuff kind of is my own. Even how I do philosophy, how I debate, how I, how I think of morality, all my own. All different ways, all explained, and I have like, you know, 500 blog posts on my on my my um website so i mean that's just something i do have you ever studied the classics uh with philosophy or uh mainly just learning on your own independently yeah i i like i i'm i'm from southern california and i'm an ex-innocent street kid i did drugs violence gangs all kinds of you know i didn't join a gang but i i would hang out with gangs and go do crime and loan sharking and and enforcement or whatever violence. So I, I I and I I was a conservative and I was a Christian until I um I became a truck driver and then when I was truck driving I started teaching other truck drivers and when I did that I realized wow I have this skill it seems to teach and be able to you know communicate with people and so I, I looked into um, psychology. Because it started interesting. So I, I went to, in a sense, school for psychology at 35 to be a Christian counselor. But I'm moved by facts and, and reason. And I had never really thought about it. I, I grew up in, like I said, aggressive stuff. I never even thought about it. Being right wing was just normal for me. But once I started to... Um, go to college, I started learning some facts about like history and stuff. And they made me take two uh, courses, one on world religions and one on the Bible. And halfway through the class in the Bible, I became atheist. So, but, but for me, just like why it's important, I, even though I consider myself in a sense, kind of part of the atheist movement, I really am to me, 
really more um, actually almost in the anarchist movement than the atheist movement to me personally, just for the fact that once the atheism in a sense to me is like a conclusion, like, oh, wow, okay, this stuff is all fake. There's no evidence to support it. There's no reason to, to look at nature and go, oh, there has to be a God for me. And so the next thing was not uh, for me personally to really worry about gods. It was to think of how am I going to do my moral life? How, how, and obviously I need to rethink it because things I thought were normal before, like you shouldn't be gay, now it just seems stupid. Like, wh who gives a shit? So, I mean, it really, that's when I, I just started to become left wing in a sense. And just because I just started getting more morality and the more morality it got, the more people started saying, you sound like an anarchist. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of looked into it. Didn't read a lot. Just looked into it. Went, yeah. Took a test. It says I'm uh, basically an anarcho-communist, even though I haven't read any of their stuff. And it says I'm kind of near a council communism. I don't know what that is. But <clears throat> anyways, my point is uh, I got to these similar conclusions of anarchists and communists but from my own life experience being a truck driver it was horrible how i had to work in conditions they 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 asked me or almost i should say not asked i almost demanded i worked illegal and i don't mean illegal as in like you know just a little few errors i mean like fucking illegal like they, they had me one time drive from moses lake washington all the way down to southern california non-stop like 20 three hours of fucking driving, which is illegal as fuck. And then I get there an hour late and the boss was pissed at me. How fucking dare I, you know? What did I do? I said, I stopped to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just saying there's things that happened from, from myself and how I analyze things. I just came up with my own stuff. So yeah, what I usually say at the end of uh, my podcasts is I sign off. Uh, which is a common anarchist slogan that I that really appeals to me. No gods, no masters. I'm out. So that's always how I end the podcast usually. Right. Uh, but I love the idea of no gods, no masters. So as it relates to the economic system, I'm an anti-capitalist for sure. I consider oh, yeah. myself a socialist and an anarchist. How I've described this to some people from my readings, because I have went pretty deep into the anarchist um philosophizing and theorists. I got Chomsky, uh, Gramsci. I have some um, uh, Bakunin and some Peter Kropotkin. Uh, I have some Emma Goldman, Rosa Luxemburg, basically, you know, philosophers, even uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, I think. And I think Marx has some uh, anarchist tones in his um, writings. The way I view anarchism is you think that illegitimate authority, um, uh, if it is unjustified, should be dismantled and you know replaced or just completely abolished. I think that's reasonable. Any illegitimate authority. So let's go back to the economic system. No gods, no masters. I think workers should own uh, and control uh, the means of production. I think the workplace should be democratically organized. I oppose corporations. I think they're illegitimate. I think they should be abolished, replaced, uh, perhaps with co-ops. 
Uh, again, maybe owners owning, or I'm sorry, workers owning and controlling uh, the means of production, the workplace, workers having a say in the workplace. Um, but unfortunately, uh, as most people see it, you know, and work here in the United States, of course, wage slavery, renting yourself to a master for the subsistence, the means to get by. Some people have to work two and three jobs just to get by. Um, Dude, I used to I used to work on average 80 to 90 hours a week as a, as an overload truck driver. I mean, like I said, I didn't have to read a book to know this is some fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'm fucking doing it, man. Like dying. I'm only home a month out of the year. I don't know. Does that sound like a good fucking life for a worker? <laughs> Fuck no. What do you think about saying, like wage slavery, though? You know, kind of renting yourself. What do I think about it? Absolutely. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I, I, I have a different um, thing is that to me, the, the thing is the worker needs to get compensated adequately. This to me already is, is easy to see why capitalism doesn't do that. Its goal is to always pay the, the person the least. In fact, like even in my job trucking, going back to my own experience of how I, I think. So in trucking, right, I would go out and I would only come home for a month out of the year almost or whatever. Maybe it's two months, you know, because you only get like three days home and you got to leave for another month, two months again. And then a couple days home and you're gone. Anyways, but I would get home and had not that much time as it is. But I would always check my paycheck because they would always fuck me. They would pay me less. I would have to check the miles, less miles. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, I'm sorry. There's an error. Oh, it's good you caught that. They don't give a fuck. Do they ever get fired? Do they ever get in trouble? Fuck no. It's, you know, another worker. That's and wage I thought, theft. You're talking about wage theft. theft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking wage theft. Yeah, it's wage slavery, wage theft. They want you to work extra job. Oh, yeah. It's fucking nonstop. But but to me, the, the whole point is it's the unfairness. So that, I, I, don't, I don't even care. The, the problem is, to me, Capitalism presents itself, in a sense, as an amorality, but it's operating in, in a sense, a system that demands morality for workers, for conditions, for How the fuck does it think that it can ethically say, I'm going to be immoral while I'm operating in a fucking moral system with human beings and lives that can be hurt and, and things? It, 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 to me, it's, it's right there, unethical. Capitalism is unethical for me. Well, that's the propaganda. I mean, I think they want us to believe that there's no alternative to capitalism. I, I used to listen to Joe Rogan. I don't anymore, but I just heard him, uh, I think it was with Reggie Watts. And he was, Reggie Watts was, you know, kind of taking the anti-capitalist view as most leftists. And honestly, at this point, I would think the the vast majority of the population uh, around the world are anti-capitalist. It's a terrible economic system. It's not even good at putting people to work. And it's certainly unable to meet even the most basic of human needs like food and shelter and education and health care. Uh, it's, no it's not designed to. It's supposed to uh, exploit workers and uh, extract um, you know wealth and resources uh, through robbery and, you know, plunder uh, of the world's resources and certainly of the global south as the rich countries of the world exploit, um, you know, workers with almost little to no rights, you know, making pennies a day, you know, in sweatshops and, you know, again, it's part of the global south outside of, uh, you know, excluding, um, you know, the United States and Europe and the industrialized countries. But uh, Reggie Watts, again, I don't read him or whatever, uh, hear many of his interviews, but it was on Reddit. He was, you know, kind of painting a really good picture of capitalism and how it's an amoral system, uh, how, you know, it's the basis for most wars, 
uh, exploitation, wealth, all that sorts of stuff, bad things, greed. Uh, and Joe Rudin, you know, kind of came on after his point uh, and said, yeah, but what's the alternative? You know, we have a dictator. And that's not the alternative at all. But what they want you to think is, yeah, there's only capitalism or a dictator, you know, or capitalism is a scientific theory. Uh, it's it's uh, it's objective. You know, it's not uh, biased. It doesn't. You know, one thing we're also not supposed to talk about is like class. There is no class in the United States. We're all middle class. You know, of course, some people are a little bit more middle class than others. Uh, you know, you have entrepreneurs and billionaires, and they're just trying to, you know, make do what's best for society, the common good. But if you actually think about it, and that's a lot of what the philosophers talk about, the common good can mean many different things to many different people. What might be the, the, uh, the best interest for CEOs and executives might not be the same uh, common good oh, is not you know, is like a truck driver or janitor. You know, we all have different interests and that sort of stuff. What they try to do with capitalism is try to just propagandize you into thinking, yeah, it's not the best system, but it's better than any other alternative. And if, again, of course, it's not. I think there's hundreds of other uh, economic systems and political systems. One thing that we like, first off, capitalism is like kind of like a socio economic political system. You know, it's all encompassing. Like. If we want to talk about how government is structured, that's one thing. But if we want to talk about how the economic system is structured, that's another. The economic system is dominated by corporations, strategic alliances. These corporations, um, you know, create monopolies, oligopolies, uh, a handful of firms, you know, um, essentially dominate every sector of the economy, whether it's auto, whether it's oil or energy whether it's food or production, uh, all of them are dominated by a handful clothing, you know, uh, all of them are dominated by a handful of, of corporations uh, that create monopolies. And I think there is a big myth that, uh, you know, capitalism, uh, you know, innovation breeds, uh, uh, competition breeds innovation. And at the heart of capitalism, you know, there's, there's competition that makes things better and blah, blah, blah. But that's, again, not the case at all. These firms uh make strategic alliances, research and development, uh, trade secrets are shared. And a lot of times, you know, it's socialism for the rich and powerful. Like, for example, like taxpayer money. Elon Musk gets billions of dollars every year for his SpaceX, uh, for his Starlink, even for Tesla. Uh, but the profits are all, um, you know, private. So I think that at the heart of all of our issues are certainly like money and politics. And where do the people come up with the money to buy elections, essentially? Um, I, I think like the vast majority, over 90% of elections, the candidate that spends the most money, thanks to Citizens United, now win those elections. Um, but again, where, are the, where are the, where's the money come from? It comes from, you know, corporations. And what is corporation? What is a corporation but a private tyranny? It's a hierarchy placing some above others. You have executives, CEOs, and then maybe in the middle, you're a middle manager, you listen to the orders from uh, above you and then below you, you step on the neck of the person below you and tell them to do a job. So maybe in the middle you rent yourself and at the bottom you're just lucky to you know get a job and you know maybe you're the janitor or a truck driver or whatever, but you're basically told what to do. And sometimes there's even, you know, uh, coercion to break the, the, the uh, law and to break the rules. And that's the other thing that um, the right wing want to do is deregulation, you know, get rid of OSHA, get rid of business regulations, deregulate the entire financial system. There's already 
20-some-plus trillion dollars of unaccountable black market money. It's already a mess. It's a quagmire. I'm doing a solo podcast on it. But, like, what you're saying is, sure, okay, pay, pay workers fairly. I'm, I'm in so favor no, no, of that. That's, that's, you know, no, I'm so in favor I'm not, of that. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I'm anti-capitalist. I'm yeah. just saying that, to me, the whole system is unethical. I so, agree. to me, I, I, don't, I don't need – I don't care – when if if you say, oh well, it's the best. Even if it was true, so this is what I'm trying to make a point. I could care less if it was the best system to make money, and it is an inhuman, it is an unethical system. So I I I don't even care. It's like saying if we don't give children food, they'll have to go and fight for themselves to get food, and thus only the strong will survive. That would produce the strongest society. Yeah. yeah, in the most uncaring, evil, vicious society. That's not a good system. I'm for human flourishing. Me too. That's social Darwinism, which is I completely oppose. Basically, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I'm hungry, I'll go steal uh, candy or whatever from a child just because I'm bigger than that child and I can. Certainly no one would live in, want to live in that kind of society and environment, although it does appear like it's becoming that. Um, but I like this analogy, like the kings and queens, like, well, first off, they said like there couldn't be society. Those, when I say they, like those in power, that, you know, those in power said, you know, there can't be a society without slavery. Sure. Slavery is immoral and it's ugly, but society would just collapse, you know, without slavery. And it, and it was, you know, well, well, you, you, speaking, of, speaking of slavery, now you're talking about stuff that I know, like to me, the, the history of slavery is not a history that goes back to hunter gatherers. So I really care about. Like the evolution of us and going into prehistory and stuff, yeah. it's a big deal to me because yeah. it's how I can ground my understanding of us as humans. Were we always violent? The answer is no. Were we always clannish? No, we were not like this. This 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 clannish violence starts seven thousand to five thousand years ago. They, they can see it in the DNA. When it drops down to a point where enough men are killed that there's one man for every 17 women. And, they, and then, then it just keeps getting worse. States just monopolize on that kind of mentality, and it has never changed. It's been 4,000 years of violence somewhere in the world. So the, 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 it's, it's been a progression that's gotten worse, but it wasn't always like this. One of the things that I, I found was, the, in a sense, the animus sound a lot like anarchists, even though that's not typically what they're trying in a sense to be, or do they call themselves that? But one of the things, social structures of the has that, and they are in a sense in the bands and camps of like 20 or 30 people, there is no tribal or other governing hierarchy. Almost all decisions are made by reaching agreement through discussion. Furthermore, they are highly egalitarian meaning that no real status difference are between individuals. Isn't that fucking wonderful? <laughs> That's what I'm all about. I, I oppose hierarchy, uh, a what? system placing some above others, and I'm all about democracy, and I'm all about what real democracy is, not right. just pulling right. a lever or, or pressing a button every four or so years, 
uh, you know, a, a, and having a choice between two terrible candidates and trying to find which one you think is a little bit less bad, um, but actually rural working class representation with people having a say in um, the formation of policy decisions, you know, wash in Washington on the federal level, but also, you know, locally and within the state level, ultimately in the long run, you know, I would like uh, the states to dissolve, you know, long term, I'd like a classless, stateless society. So that's why I right. consider myself an anarcho-syndicalist. I think you can say anarcho-communist or anarcho-syndicalist. Basically, you know, I think society should be structured around local communities and the workplaces. Uh, but I, I was what I was going to try to say was... Um, but, but I want to go back to slavery real go quick. Ahead, go so ahead. Slavery starts with the agriculture revolution. And, the, and it's, that wasn't a revolution first off to me. It wasn't, I'm just, that's what it's called. But to me, it didn't. It had it happened over like maybe five, six thousand years or something, or more. Could be could have started twenty three, in in proto, and just became our culture by twelve, where they're actually domesticating stuff by ten, eleven. But anyways, the point is that right about that time, twelve thousand years ago, when when they started to um, have accumulation, right. They started already having slavery by 12,000, and then it gets worse by 10,000, and then it becomes more normal, like I said, around 7,000 when they start, you know, people start having all this clan war stuff. Anyways, my point is that we need to see that that's not human nature. Just like to me, capitalism is not human nature. Either is this war and violence that we think of as unequal, this you know, demand for states and this, you know, hierarchies. This is all new shit in a sense. Under 7,000. Just like even gender. People don't realize there was like five genders in Europe before um, uh, probably 7,000 to before 5,000. But somewhere in there when the, because what happened is male clans by 7,000 take over. Everything used to be in a sense either equalitarian or it would be, um, maternal line descent in other words like through the female not like all the males take the male name or whatever like in america and the rest of the world after five thousand. but so that that had a big shift on on the power dynamic women lost power children lose power even men i always say lose power under these systems it's because it's only the king of the hill at the moment only one that can do the most course and you know course of behavior or violence and and that that system, we've just carried on into in you know from dynasties into states, and and most of the states like in uh, the Middle East, they started out with king priests, so they didn't even have any separation of religion. And so religion often was coercive by that point for sure, because you had to follow the state religion. In fact, even um, Socrates was killed for getting the youth, in a sense, to um, not take serious whatever the state religion or make or, you know, not believe in the state deities. So it's, it's, it's been a coercive force. Like I said, no, no gods, no masters. Both things have been the coercive forces. Yeah, Socrates was a dissident, and dissidents are always treated very poorly all throughout time. They are oppressed. I want to shout out, um, we are audio only here, but we're on videos. We're talking Jim Mason. Uh, I had him on a couple uh, weeks ago. Uh, unnatural order, basically human beings' dominion over the planet. He talks about all the stuff that you're, um, you know, sounds like you're very much interested in prehistory into today. He seems to trace it back to agriculture. You know, once we 
um, industrialized agriculture or once we, you know, yeah. kind of, um, you know, uh, had the ability to, to kind of cultivate the lands and we didn't have to forage and move all the time and larger and larger groups came together. That's when, you know, society tends to get violent. Um, that's when there tends to become hierarchies somewhere along the way. You know, I don't know whether it's 5,000 people. Uh, I just had a, um, uh, another uh, uh, podcaster on, uh, I interviewed him about his book, Alistair Lord. He was, I think it was, um, you know, 5,000 people. Anytime there's more than 5,000 people, there needs to be a state. Uh, of course, now, now there's 8 billion people on earth and we have whatever hundreds of these extremely violent nation states. That's, you know, kind of the, the way that um, our society is structured. But yeah, it seems like along the time of, agriculture 10,000 or so more years ago, um, you know, more and more people, you know, started to group up in villages, towns, cities. And um, now that, you know, now we have nation states of, you know, China's what, a billion people, India's a billion people, United States, 300 million people. Uh, and of course, um, you know, some of these, some of these countries are extremely violent. What I, I'm gonna, I, I heard your podcast or, you know, your interview, um, the one you sent me on our, um, on our, you know, kind of email chat. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna it's, it's kind of like a podcast, meet me and my uh, yeah. friend from Canada, nice. who's an anarcho-communist. Hook me he, up. He, he, I'd like to talk to him sometime too. Yeah. Corey is, is great. He um, He's more anarchism and then other stuff. I'm more other stuff and then anarchism. Okay. My goal is to teach other stuff and show how it relates to anarchism. Show how, it, how anarchism makes more sense. Show how it wasn't always this way so people can get this thought that, oh, well, it's always been this way. It can never change. Well, it's never been. That wasn't always this way. And so that's what, what I try to do is to show historical stuff improved to people just like you said I had the video about um the the is it's the Jewish and the and the um Palestine conflict. And to me that there's a bunch of, of problems why I wanted to talk about it. The news is fucking insane. Well I just want to go to this real quick before we get let's but, get into Israel and Palestine. But you had yeah. mentioned you are you don't like to see violence. You know, you don't like to see innocent people uh you know killed. Uh certainly, you know, the the attack uh Hamas killing um, you know, thousands of innocent Jewish people. I don't like to see that, you know, people in Israel. Uh, and then, you know, of course, the escalation of violence um, on the defenseless Palestinians is just uh, abysmal bombing hospitals and all kinds of just awful, awful things. Um, but I don't like to see, you know, civilians killed, especially not for the actions of their government. Uh, Hamas does not speak yeah. for everyone in Palestine uh, or, you know, or everyone in Gaza. And uh, I'm sure there's the majority of people uh, in Israel, that the actions, the violent actions uh, of their government doesn't speak for everyone there either. And, and I think the problem is these, you know, these states, these violent states that monopolize violence, uh, they're racist, xenophobic, um, you know, all these, all these regimes place some above others, especially in Israel. If you're not Jewish, you have did, very did you, limited Did you read my rights. thing where, where I actually explained they do it to their own people? I'm like, what the fuck? So does the United States. I mean, look at the history of the United States. What I am, and this is what I wanted to get to, I, internationalism or extinction, you know, especially for the climate crisis. I am a, I'm a person of the world. I don't see arbitrary government, arbitrary borders. I don't care at all. So it hurts totally me to agree. see people in Israel killed, especially innocent people. And it hurts me to see people in, in Gaza uh, and in Palestine killed. But I think, you know, the Palestinians deserve well, the right to exist. It also... 
It you also know? personally bothers me to even see military people killed because I know, in a sense, a lot of them don't have a choice. They don't have a choice, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> for, they are for a lot of reasons. Some, right. like saving in America, they're poor, so they have to do this like a job. I feel for these people. This yeah. one person was telling me how great America was because it helped her, you know, immigrate. I think from Canada or somewhere else. I don't know. I don't remember now where it was, but helped her immigrate by joining the military for however many years. Which and I go, it's those in the military. They don't have a choice, or they they have very poor choices, and that's the one they chose. We should pity those in the military who are committing violence acts. Certainly not for me. And I think the real criminals are the ones sitting in air conditioned offices in suits in Washington D.C. Certainly not those with boots on the ground. Well, that's all I was trying to say is that I feel, I mean, I have less, just so you know, personally, I have less care for militaries and civilians. I just do. If you kind of choose war or police and you get harmed, well, what the fuck? It's like a truck driver. If I fucking get, I, I got hit by a fucking tree falling off the mountain and hit the road. Yeah, but I chose to be a truck driver. I know that I didn't have a lot of choices. And that's how also I feel about military. I do feel for them because I know they don't, just like me as a truck driver. I didn't have a lot of choices. What the fuck was I going to do? So, I, but it doesn't mean that, that I feel the same. I feel a hell of a lot more when, when civilians get killed. So some people like worship warriors, whatever. I, that ain't me. But I, I do feel for them. I'm not like some people who gives a fuck they can all die. No, yeah. those are fucking... No. To, to me, those are, are valuable humans. What we need to show is that war is some fucking bullshit, and certainly, I agree with you. Who's more culpable is the people making these poor people go and harm others. You have poor people on both sides fighting each other, while they're, like you said, the rich people, they don't ever put themselves in harm's way, yet they'll send everybody off. It's it's disgusting to me. Yeah, the, like it's the, usually the poor and the less fortunate that fight in wars who usually right. profits and who usually benefits from uh, war. It's the it's usually the ruling class of the winning society. So a very small. Right, I'm sliver. just saying. I'm just saying I, my my general thing is axiological. Axiology, is, and some people could just say it's ethics, What's that? but it's more. Axiology that. is value theory or value science. Okay. Value science is a formal thing that they use uh, in, um, say, so social science of how to judge things. There's, like, different categories for axiology, how it sees value. Value to an axiologist is things that are beneficial, that are true, that are accurate, that are facts, that are, um, you know, you could call evidence, that are reason, that are, you know, uh, beautiful, that are, it's, it's things that have value. It's a, it's a, it's a, a philosophy that centers about viewing the world as like almost like the matrix everything has this all this value all around how should i operate in this world of multiple values and like in in an axiological sense humans or things that are alive have innate value a rock doesn't have that not innate value yeah that's uh that's what Immanuel Kant said that's uh, maybe one of the greatest philosophers of all kind uh, of all time that human beings should be considered a uh, a means in themselves. You know, like not not what's the end game, but like every human life. You know, um, at least that's kind of what Kant said that you know he valued uh, human beings and also like the motives. Like when you when you act on, and you're a moral agent, you know, what were your motives? You know, maybe something happened that you didn't expect, you know, if you wanted something, if you were expecting to do something bad, you know, but something good worked out, 
you know, you're not a moral agent, you know, and even if, let's say, you wanted to do good, you know, but a bad thing happened, you know, you're not as much at fault because you had good intentions, so he talked a lot about intentions, too. Um, but you talked a little bit about, you have your own view of morality. Maybe you could talk about what's your what's your theory of morality, ethics, virtue, that kind well, of stuff. Okay, so my, my opinion is this, that everything comes from value. Value is the source that everything else comes. You have a value, human life human dignity. From that, there's a behavior then that has to follow in a morality sense. If humans have this dignity, then I have to honor that dignity, meaning I cannot, in a sense, violate that dignity, like abusing them, raping them, killing them. So, but the reason I can't do A, B, C, D, D, is because of this thing here. When you make a claim, I have human rights, you are making a call or a challenge that you have dignity, that you have this value inside, this substance, this this thing innateness or whatever. To me, we do, because to me, I, I won't limit it to humans though. I, I feel that anything that can in a sense has self-awareness and can feel pain, these, these are things, because if you feel pain, then there's a moral obligation to not hurt that person in a sense. My morality is, is complex because it starts off in value. So, to me, morality is a sense of a thing. It is a category, morality. Inside of morality, it has to be foundation on values. That's how you build what is moral. It's because of what you value or you think has value. So, it's values first. Then after that, to me, there's two kinds of things, morals and ethics. Morals are what you personally choose to do. Ethics is how you behave with the general public or whatever. It's an obligation. Like maybe personally, you don't drink alcohol, but you don't go into people and say, hey, all you fuckers, you can't drink alcohol. Because <laughs> ethic, what I'm point is, your personal choice shouldn't preclude the rest of the world what they're doing, unless there's some other moral reason. Just because you don't, that ain't enough. Just because you don't personally like pepperoni pizza doesn't mean you can outlaw pepperoni on pizza. And say so it has to only be pineapple or something. You, you, so my, my point is that you're the one that's doing this. So that's the, the understanding, too, is that morals and ethics are not the same thing. Morals are us-centered. But I, I have a moral whatever. And then how I behave is the ethics. Just like there's a business ethics, not in a sense business moral. If there was a business moral, it would be we want to take care of our customers first or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's the business moral, and then from that should be everything else or whatever, like like you were saying. So it, in my belief, you know, the workers should be the value. They are the one fucking doing the work. What the fuck? How is it backwards that the worker get paid shit and the person sitting doing nothing, you know, <laughs> controlling it or whatever, dominating all the workers, they get everything? What? It's, it, the whole system's fucking bullshit. But I'm just saying it's about morality. In general, though, you have a moral way because you can't like uh, spend time on moral questions. Sometimes you need to do quick moral actions. So to me, the best thing to do to be able to quickly navigate moral in a sense quandaries or whatever is that you you understand there's two kind of a, a systems going on. Fight or flight tend to befriend. Fight or flight is justice or the fear of injustice. And tend and befriend goes to care ethics. Sometimes you realize, you know what? 
that person was in an emotional state that they were not aware or that being has cognitive disabilities and though we, we can't judge them the same as more or youth like they haven't developed cognitively a five-year-old shoots someone is not the same as a 50-year-old shoots someone so we we have to so the, if you did in a sense blind justice the, anyone who shot would be in a sense culpable of an ethical violation and thus whatever in, in a, this system like america moral crime whatever it be just be is a is a law of murder or whatever but in in the the crime was bad whether or not there's a law and just because right. there's a law morality. doesn't mean right. it has any fucking thing to do with morality so and sometimes you know it's the moral thing to do is to break the law you know some of the nazi well, I, I, i'm just saying though but yeah. the care ethics to me has to come in because it allows us to fine-tune we're, we're, we're saying that we should always go for justice unless we shouldn't because sometimes we've got to put care above just blind justice. Because we have to understand it's like when 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 um, they have like restorative justice. You ever heard of that? Where where um, ex criminals will talk to victims and yeah. and try yeah. to right. So I agree that that's a that's a, a good thing. We should in a sense promote healthy behaviors. Our system is punitive and is terrorism. It's not. Yeah, it's not helpful. Like, no, it, 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 to me, all all crime is more like uh, something that has, should be dealt with in a sense in a mental health thing. But yeah, total agreement in terms of the criminal justice system. I want a criminal justice system that is focused on rehabilitation, not just punishment. Uh, I think that, uh, for example, um, solitary confinement is. Um, just inhumane. I think that that is cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, the United States is also a state of mass incarceration. Uh, it has a higher imprisonment rate than any other country in the world and more prisoners than any other country in the world. We don't have a functioning healthcare system. We certainly don't have a um, you know, safety net, uh, it's being eroded, um, you know, s mental health services are almost non-existent, uh, and this is one of the ways, um, where the superfluous population, the most vulnerable, uh, people in society are placed, uh, because we don't have safety nets in a welfare state, um, we just dec decide to put, you know, our most vulnerable people, um, you know, those that are poor, inner cities, reduced to crime, crimes of despair, certainly, um, they're just incarcerated, they're forgotten about. And also we have this cash bail system, which is ludicrous, where, you know, you might be in jail for weeks, months, years, uh, and you might be innocent, but you're there just because you can't post bail. It's all absurd. But yeah, back to your point, I, I, want, a, I want a rehabilitative um, system, um, one that's not focused on crime and punishment, uh, but hopefully one that can help rehabilitate those that maybe committed crimes, uh, and then hopefully with the intention of getting them to reacclimate back into society, being a productive member of society. Uh, but yeah, I think generally the, the capitalist system is amoral. So, you know, unfortunately, and the recidivism rate is very high in the United States. I, I don't know if you've ever looked at some of the stuff in like Norway, 
uh, and some of the Scandinavian countries about their jail systems. But I think they have like, first off, I don't think they have um, capital punishment, you know, death, the death sentence, uh, which I am certainly opposed to. Uh, I think their maximum crime is like, or penalty is like maybe 20 years in prison or something like that, even for the most heinous act. And I think they have like, seems like a college dorm room where you have freedom, you're treated like a person, you can wash your own dishes and clothes and cook for yourself and walk around the grounds. There's no like 23 hours a day in your cell. Um, so I'm all about that. I think a civilized society is one that treats the most vulnerable people uh, humanely and also has a less harsh criminal justice system uh, and certainly not one with, you know, the death penalty and torture and um, solitary confinement and that sort of thing. And then, you know, we have uh, Guantanamo Bay, which is essentially a torture center uh, on Cuba, um, which we uh, essentially, you know, took at gunpoint. And that's where we, um, the United States, uh, that's where we send all of our, uh, whatever war criminals or people without legitimate charges, we send them there. Terrorists and you know people that are labeled terrorists, you can't even get off the list. You know, it's just essentially you're placed on it by executive order. There's no um, process to get off of it. There's no judicial process. There's no formal charges, and we just send them uh, to Guantanamo Bay for you know sometimes decades without charges, torture them, uh, and all for what, you know, and, and the reason it's there and not in the United States is so that it's not, uh, doesn't fall under, um, U.S. jurisdiction or, or, or the code of law. So essentially, um, the whole existence of Guantanamo Bay without even investigating it, we know it has to be a torture chamber because there's no sensible reason that they, we would have a jail outside of, um, you know, the United States borders. Well, the whole system of the government is unethical in all kinds of ways, but certainly how, how they, they treat, you know, other human beings is, is testable to me. I told you, to me, I, I'm for only, in a sense, two kinds of violence, self-protection and other protection. I, I, I'm not a pacifist, but I'm not for violence. I, I'm anti-violence. It should, be, it should be measured. It should be justified, limited. In, in other words, just because somebody, you know, hits me, doesn't, and, and then it, then I say, well, they, that person hit me is a five-year-old. Can I yeah. punch him? I mean, it's, uh, what I mean about care ethics is that we have got to add more of that. Because it, even, even I was thinking about the, the why I wanted to do, because I actually wasn't planning on doing a Jewish-Palestine video yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up breaking up what I was doing because I felt it was important. Because I feel like, People are going to do whatever. But I want to remind people the value of humanity. That I feel like, and I see a lot of, you know, leftists that are pushing stuff that's damn looks like racism to me. Right. You know, and and maybe they're not even trying to, but they're saying things that are absolutely, I know, wrong. Like there's a picture I saw that was the Jewish person was white and the the, um, Palestinian person was browner. And uh, they're like, which one was in the Middle East for 4,000 years or whatever? Well, let me tell you something. The reason that those Palestinians are dark is not because they were there 4,000 years. It has to do with the Arab expansion out of North Africa and Saudi Arabia into Palestine. Those people came in the 7th century and after. I mean, there's genetics. We know this. But the, the, the Jews have... An interesting thing, too. They have like 80% Middle Eastern men and 80% 
European female. So they're, in a sense, you know, an interesting thing. But to me, to, to pit these two indigenous cultures against each other or think that somehow one is better than the other, I think is wrong also because 50% or more of both of their DNA comes from Canaanites. And Canaanites come from the Kurgle Axe culture, from the Cossack Mountains, from Armenia, Turkey, um, from the areas of Georgia, areas up there. And, uh, and um, they came down from 5,000 to 4,000 years ago and became Canaanites. So, and then, and then what people understand too is, if you want to know what an actual Canaanite used to look like, what color of skin it is, you need to look at Lebanon. Lebanon is 95 up to 90 to 95% Canaanite DNA. So to me, if you want to know there, and they don't always look like um, Palestinians and they don't always look like Jews because guess what? Both those other populations have had DNA influxes. Just like um, people don't, you know, probably be surprised, but the Jews also have from um, the Italians. But then again, remember, Rome did take over, you know, the Palestine area. But to me, in general, as an anarchist, I just feel it's insane. All of us have an ancestor 70,000 years ago from South Africa. L3 DNA is how we get everything out of Africa. It comes from that one haplogroup in Africa. Every female out in the whole, everywhere from Australia to England to, you know, Saudi Arabia to Siberia. I mean, it makes no, the Americas, it makes, it all came from the source. We're all the same. I, I just find all this bigotry against the different humans is just unvalid to me. Yeah, well, part of me, like, as a leftist, um, I always root for the underdog. And I, I like working class politics. I always root for workers over the establishment, over the capitalist class. Uh, in this, um, you know, uh, conflict between Israel and um, Palestine, I root for the Palestinians. Um, I actually don't think a Jewish state should exist. Uh, I'm for the universal um, solution internationally, which would be a two-state settlement. Um, and then hopefully, eventually, the whole region could be a one-state settlement, uh, a democratic settlement, not a Jewish state that places some above others. So I don't think a Jewish state should exist, just like I don't think a Muslim state should exist, just like I don't think a Christian state should exist. I think democratic states should exist. Uh, but I would like to, again, kind of abolish the nation state and have you know society organized around smaller local communities and states, federations, um, whatever. Um, but right, yeah, well, well of, I, I wasn't actually referring to states. I'm talking about. I know. Paper. Oh, states, I know. States, states no, is no. a different organization. Right. I was just talking about. Oh, I know. In other words, what I'm saying is, people say that the, the Jews shouldn't be there or the Palestinians shouldn't be there. Both the Palestinians and the Jews say they only come from Canaanites. Yeah. I'm just saying, genetically, they both do. So, right. and if you're like I said, and if you really want to care about what's a Canaanite look like, look at Lebanon. Because, like I've said, they have the most DNA of the ancient Canaanites. I, I don't get into that too much or their arguments. I just, uh, when, when faced with a choice between Palestine, which is not even recognized by most countries uh, in the world, and, um, uh, and Israel, which uh, is not recognized, but at least by most um, 
uh, you know, Middle Eastern countries in the world. Uh, but, you know, Gaza is essentially a group of people that's decentralized, that's, um, you know, very vulnerable, that doesn't have a standing army or a navy. And then you have Israel, which is propped up by the United States. Um, it's a military power. It's essentially um, a U.S. military outpost so that the United States can have a foothold in the Middle East to control the world's energy supply. We're still on an oil-based economy. Um, you know, I think that I, I think I would love a, a world where Palestinians and uh, Israelis could coexist a one-state settlement or even a two-state settlement as long as their, uh, you know, violence is, is at a minimum. Uh, but right now we have Israel and they are cantonizing um, what's left of uh, Palestine, uh, and they're essentially um, escalating violence. Um, and I think that you know, when I look at the situation, I'm siding with the underdogs here. Not as well. So, so, so to me, I, I would say yeah. this: Would you side if the underdogs were Nazis? See, I, I, I I'm just saying. To, I, I'm not saying you can't. Well, I'm, I'm not saying with that the Hamas government. Work, I'm, that I'm that is the... not a moral right. way for me to navigate yeah. anything. Right. I do what the people. is right. I'm, I'm, I'm siding with the people of Palestine. Well, let, me, let me finish talking. Sure. So I'm saying that I would do what's, because I'm trying to get my point across. I would do what's right for people. That doesn't mean I give a shit about governments, because governments don't do what's right for people. I don't even have to, even in America, like you said, they did a, a research study for 3 point something percent of Americans' goals, Congress even fucking does. So they don't work for us. I, states right. are absolute horseshit. Right. So I'm, I, I'm talking about people. What I'm saying is people, when we talk about and start splitting up who belongs and who doesn't, what we need to be saying is, that I, I agree with you about, it, 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 they both have to live there. To me, they're both they're indigenous to the area, at least going back 4,000 years. So, and they have both have DNA that goes back to 12, so, so, but not everybody, but some of the both populations do. My point is, that, that, that I agree with you. I, I don't want to have that argument. All I was saying is when I see people say only this is it, I don't think there should be any states anywhere. And I do think that absolutely you should be able to say that Israel is doing bad things and Jews still have a right to live in Palestine. So right. that's all I'm saying. And I think yeah, the I agree same with thing. You. Absolutely. Right. The, the, no one has to be um, lesser or stronger. They could be two strong things and I would still feel the same. Both people deserve human dignity and rights to freedom. And right now, I, I would absolutely couldn't support anything close to Israel because they will not let that happen. Well, I, I support the Israeli people, especially those uh, well, that yeah, are victimized. I do not support the Israeli government, just like I don't support the Hamas government. Uh, I support the well, Palestinian yeah, right. people well, because, yeah, they're victimized. The government. Right. They they took over. They 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 got voted in in 2006 and then they took over in 2007 and then from then till now they just operate as a fucking dictatorship. There's right. other groups, other things. But to me I'm just saying is I I don't care about the, the these organizations. And I agree with you. I I said in my own video, I think it's absolutely fucked up that Israel won't let anybody come into their country and immigrate unless they're Jewish. They could have 100% Jewish DNA, but if they were not, if they have converted to a different religion, they're not welcome. Yeah. I agree with you. That's I pose. Funny. I pose that. What the fuck?
So let's go back to like 1940s Germany. I'm sure that there were, um, you know, millions of innocent uh, German people who were not Nazis, um, who were victimized by the crimes of their government by um, the Allied powers. I mean, the Allied, one of the reasons that um, the Nuremberg Tribunal, one of the reasons that um, bombing civilian installations were not uh, considered a war crime is because the allies actually did it more than the, than the Nazis. So, um, no, I don't support the Nazi government. I don't know who, who, I mean, I guess there's some people out there that do, uh, which is ludicrous because of the heinous crimes, probably the worst crimes committed in the history of, uh, human beings, uh, the Nazis. Um, but I do support the innocent people, uh, again, in Nazi Germany at the time that were victimized and killed probably by their own government or by the allied governments, just like I can support but, 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 the Israeli but, 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 people. You're, you know. but you're judging it in a sense or trying to judge it on, on the, an axiological thing. Because if that if they're not a government, but they still do heinous things like a government, it doesn't matter that they're not government. No, I'm talking about a group of people in a geographic saying. region. I, I don't care about the government. I, I'm just talking no, about... No, 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 but I'm trying to say about behavior. Yeah. No, I'm talking about behavior. So if I was an anarchist, right, not part of the American government, if I go do something, you're going to judge me on my actions. Correct. I'm just saying my actions is what does that. Or in, in axiology, it's my, in a sense, um, extrinsic behavior, things I do outside of myself. And then there's systemic behavior, things that will cause through time. Like, say, in other words, like, rape is not just bad for the moment of the physical violation, but it's the mental violation for maybe the rest of that person's life, which is the systemic effect of it. That's what axiology doesn't look at, just one thing. The violation itself, the extrinsic behavior was, was the rape, and then the cause of that rape systemically is the harm of the person throughout a period. What do you think about uh, the Ukraine war? What's going on there? Uh, I think the Ukrainians are victimized by Putin, who is a war criminal, although I don't support the Ukrainian government. Uh, It was one of the most corrupt governments in Europe um, prior to the invasion. I believe 2014, um, the United States tried a coup d'etat to uh, install a puppet regime uh, but yeah, I can still say that, you know, the people, essentially the Ukrainians are being treated as cannon fodder. Uh, and I think both sides are willing to fight to the very last Ukrainian body all over for all over the land, all over all four, you know, just some land here. Obviously, um, Putin uh, and, and the Russians, uh, at least the Russian government, um, sees it as valuable because, you know, it's it's a it's the red line that, um, you know, after World War Two. Um, you know, did not want NATO to cross. Uh, you know, Russian and Putin uh, do not want NATO up into the Russian border. You know, they're already surrounded by nuclear powers. Um, but, you know, I can definitely, even though I don't support necessarily the Ukrainian puppet government, which is propped up by the United States, just like the Israeli government is, uh, but I still support, uh, you know, the Ukrainians' right to defend themselves against the Russian aggression and against Putin's war crimes, and they are certainly being victimized. What the United States should do, in my opinion, uh, is negotiate a ceasefire in peace and diplomacy to end the war, and I think the United States should be using its power to do the same uh, in in the Israeli um, 
Palestine conflict, although, I don't know if you saw it today, uh, the United States voted against a ceasefire. So typically the United States is pro-war, pro-imperialism, it's willing to uh, ally with uh, Israel as they fight and, and try to, I guess, um, dominate the region and take over the region like they've been doing for the last half century down to the very last Palestinian body. And it looks like the United States is willing to um, try to weaken its Russian, its, its number one uh, military enemy, it, the Russian enemy. Uh, it's willing to fight to the very last Ukrainian body. They could care less about morality. They could care less, uh, I, I'm saying those in power in the United States, about the Ukrainian people. What they are doing is they see this as an opportunity to dump a bunch of money into this military conflict, this proxy war, and they think that they are able to weaken, uh, again, their biggest military enemy or threat in Russia, and they've actually been very successful. Uh, the Ukrainian army, aided by the United States and much of Europe, has been relatively successful um, in, you know, causing some damage to the to the Russian war machine um, at the expense, again, of the Ukrainian people who are dying, I'm sure, left and right. Um, it seems, though, uh, I, I've seen some people talk about, you know, Putin and Russia are actually fighting a little bit even more humanely than sometimes the United States does. And certainly, you know, as I as I look at the horrors going on in Gaza with the bombing of hospitals, I haven't read anything about, um, you know, Putin and Russia bombing any hospitals in Ukraine. Uh, but what do you think about that dichotomy there, that comparison there? What do you think about the Ukrainian conflict, what's going on, that proxy war, it seems, between the United States and Russia? Well, to me, Russia, like all states, um, uh, want to expand. And so I, I, I feel that he wants to go back to the borders of when Russia was an empire. Yeah. And I, I think the that's... The Soviet kind of, Union. Well, yeah, the Soviet Union. But to me, Soviet Union also, to me, um, should have uh, given back land to the indigenous people in Siberia. I mean... Fucking Russia, it comes from, in a sense, DNA, R1A DNA that comes out of Poland and also um, is big time DNA and is also um, in Ukraine. And the Kievan Rus was um, Kiev being the the place now still called Kiev or close to it. Um, that's where, in a sense, Russians, in a sense, came out and then went more east and took over everything and now everybody who's a communist thinks that all of siberia should just automatically be russia's even though they wouldn't say that to america who did the same shit took over all this indigenous lands manifest destiny just that everybody really cares about america and south america or americas in general canada more than they care about russia it's like we give a russia a free pass i've not thought that was okay ever and and how they behave is just the same as Americas behave. They are doing similar things, and they they do all kinds of stuff just like America, funding terrorism and doing all kinds of things abroad, fucking up the world. All of them. If China's getting their fingers in it too. They all want it. This is it, this is not a good system. States in general. Whenever you put these hierarchies and you put fucking people on top. They become corrupt. They become dictators. They want to rule for life. Chi wants to rule for life. You know, Trump wants to rule for life. I bet you Biden would want to rule for life. I mean, it, it, all these people, they, they think that because they think 
It's like, look at how long it took for the, the Democrats had people that were not even competent mentally, and yet they still wanted them to. It, it's, it's, yeah. If they think that, that this kind of system is the best we can do, seriously, we, 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 we can get to the moon, we can figure out DNA, we can do all this stuff with science. You know, it, it, we can't do better than this. Seriously, give me a break. This of course like fucking, we can. Yeah, of course we can. It's like feudalism and shit. Oh, yeah, we have to do it. Right. Uh, so I don't see it much different than feudalism. Um, I think kings and queens were replaced with uh, corporate executives and CEOs. I think that, um, you know, there's one thing to beg, you know, the CEOs or to beg the king or the queen to be more benign, to be less cruel. Uh, but I think a better system would be, why don't we replace the kings and queens? Why don't we replace the corporations, uh, the, the CEOs and the executives, uh, maybe with a democratically organized workplace, uh, and a workplace uh, owned and operated by workers, no gods, no masters. Those who work in the mills ought to own them. That's, I'm, I'm working class politics. That's what I'm all about. Let's go to, um, let's talk about ideology a little bit. We got maybe 15 or so minutes. I want to talk about maybe some human nature stuff too. You talked about some psychology. Let's just go political systems generally. I, I oppose all all governments. I've never read about a government I've liked. That's why I'm an anarchist. What do you think about the Soviet Union? What about what do you think about what's known as communism? I didn't think the Soviet well, Union. Well, to, to me, it, it, it's 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 still capitalism. It's not communism. And and people say, yeah, like, oh, it's capitalism. China's, China's, well, I'm just saying they say yeah. China state capitalism. It's, right. it's it's a form of capitalism. I agree. So to me, they never. It, and I, I, I don't buy the Marxist-Leninist that somehow we have to do a I don't more either. oppressive, yeah. more dictatorship system, and that will somehow equal freedom. I never bought into that crap either. I, I, I get into it with Marxists all the time on this show. The dictatorship of the proletariat, whatever yeah. that means. I don't want a dictatorship of anybody. You know, I want a democratic society. Uh, but with so you ask, like, what, what do I think? I, I think that I, I can't work with, no. No dictatorship. What the fuck? And also, to me, it seems like that those communist systems seem to be really good to all end up either in other other people becoming lifelong dictators and then worshiping power and worshiping people. Dude, I'm an anarchist. Everyone's the same. I don't worship fucking nobody. Yeah. No, I don't think I want anyone to worship me. I don't even care if I had good ideas. Great. Take the ideas. Fuck gives a shit about me. It shouldn't matter about the people unless they are of themselves doing what is of value. And even then, you should never fucking worship them. They're nobody. Everybody's a fucking nobody to me. And yet, everybody means something. We, we, we put value, to me, in the wrong places. We, we, we don't value kindness, and yet we value fucking war. It's, like, sickening. If you if you were to design a system like this and show it to a reasonable person, they'd be like, what the fuck? No. I mean, so to me, it, it's it's disgusting. And it, how we should act is, is the issue. It's not right for um, Russia to go and take over. It's also not right to me for Ukraine to force their people to do military defense. If they don't want to defend, they should be able to leave. I agree. Yeah. I'm talking about Ukraine. I'm saying yeah. Ukraine. I'm not, I agree. You can't stop what Russia did, right? But you can, as if you're a Ukrainian, an ethical society, not say to people over the age of 18 to 60 or whatever the hell it was, you all yeah. have to, all men have to go to war. What the, what the fuck? No, no it's not very democratic, obviously. 
What do you think about human nature generally? Let's go to some rapid fire questions. What do you think about human nature generally? Certainly there's some good things in human nature, uh, but there's some bad things too. We can be violent, there can be war, but we can also cooperate. We can help the most vulnerable. We can help the needy. So, so, what do you think so, about so human generally? 50,000 50, years ago, um, for sure, we started becoming more feminized. It's going back to your thing, where we started doing a lot better at, it happened actually before that too, but it, we started um, in a sense different from the Neanderthals. Neanderthals are more, in a sense, male-based, we're more feminine. I actually just saw the study real quick. I just read it yesterday. Neanderthals uh, were just as intelligent as human beings. There I wasn't was talking mis- about intelligence, though. I'm talking about behavior. Go ahead. Like yeah. personality behavior. You're talking about human nature. Personality behavior is what I'm talking about. Their behavior is to be more clannish and small. They were from like you know 20 to 15 to 7 to 8 people. Very small. Humans were like 50, 200, 300. We have humongous, and that's a social network because we've developed way more social stuff. It doesn't mean they didn't care. They did. Neanderthals, I'm talking about. It doesn't mean they were intelligent. I never said that. I'm not. They are not very social. They just aren't. They also did something that we stopped doing by 50,000. Well, by 40,000, the genetics show that humans um, chose to uh, not have incest as much. They were having some sort of a social hierarchical rules of how to behave was already coming into place. So, but the Anathols didn't do that. Like I said, we, we, in a sense, evolved in a sense to be kind, to be able to empathize. That's also why when we see horror, we hurt or we're, we're stimulated by other people, you know, having something happen to them, empathy, we feel it. These are really needed and aid in social bonding. All social animals are, are, are do this. So our nature was designed by us working together, and that allowed us to instead survive. So we are very good at working together. Like I said, people always talk about the, 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 the fight or flight. That's only one side. The other side is tend and befriend, the way to handle c- catastrophes or whatever. This, you see this when people have shared experience of, say, some horrific thing together. They all feel like family almost, maybe for the rest of their lives. While some others may want to have nothing to do with it. But the most of people feel a bond or a connection to shared events. This happens to people in war. Where that goes to a tend of a friend. So we're, we're naturally with these type of things where we can do, as like you said, we can be both bad or good. We can fight or flight. We can do tend and befriend. So we have all these, uh, in a sense, a sea of different possibilities and motivations. So that, that, but I feel like that's how evolution designed us, in a sense, not by intent, but because when you can work better in your environments, you last. Better Nine minutes to go you. here. Nine minutes to go. Let's go to let's go to some religion stuff. Who? Okay. What? What is God? What is that term intelligible to you? Well, truly, no, but it doesn't have any connection to anything. And and I've always told everybody that they used to do a lot of debating stuff or more like, I guess, say discussions than like debates, but because I like to talk to people and make it, make them reason. But to me, God, in a sense, every time that someone offers it, I say, what is a God? Because it's an ontology question. You're asking the thingness of things. Yes. What is this thing? They go, God is a creator. I go, see, the problem right there was God. 
creator is a behavior something does. What is this thing that you say has done this ability? You can't talk about 10 abilities. You haven't even classified this thing. Then you haven't also done epistemologically. You have not showed how you personally know this with any level of accuracy about this term God that you've never defined, but yet give thousands of qualities. God's great, God's loving, God's <laughs> what the fuck is a God? So to me, that, that goes back to the axiology part to me at the end, three different philosophies I use, ontology, epistemology, and axiology. And axiology value judges what you just offered. Your ontology, what you claim it is, the epistemology, how you say you know this, and then I value judge, is what has been offered of value because you have made a presumptive value judgment. This is true. What so about I, what spirits, ghosts? Spirits? You believe in that stuff? Well, to me, I feel like that's a natural part of animism, which to me, I think is the only thing that it kind of um, happens to us naturally when people say religion is in us. Well, animism is what's that ability what to, in a sense look at things like a child who sees a teddy bear and thinks a teddy bear cares or whatever it's 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 we do it all the time we think things have agency we see a cloud well it must have moved that way because something is in it or whatever it's 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 a simple thinking that generally if if you weren't given propaganda at seven or eight or whatever you would probably grow out of it it's a natural thing that kids do. I, I can't remember four or three or something. You start to reason, but you still have can't think real good, and you don't like have limits on what possibilities of things are. So that's what makes things can seem like spirits and ghosts. Anyways, so to me, I, I see that as a part of all religion. It's like built like it's like it's like Legos. Everything has to have, and they've done studies by the way too. A hundred percent of thirty-two. I think it was 33, um, hunter-gatherer cultures around the world, 100% animism, 79% shamanism, 79, maybe 78%, maybe 79, ancestor worship, because shamanism, ancestor worship goes together. Animism believes in spirits. Shamanism believes that a person can contact the spirits or actually go into through soul travel into the spirit realm or can channel spirits into their realm either into them by possession for a time being or in the area where they say they can interact but anyways my point is so but all these things need spirits it's it's like you know, to me if you remove animism there isn't religion there isn't even spirituality in the sense of something being woo woo magical because it's all five minutes here. Two questions. What happens at death? Is there an afterlife? Well, to have an afterlife, you would have to have a thing called a spirit. And since that actually isn't anything close to reality, science has already proved that it can even make you feel spirit feelings or ghost sensations of being touched and hearing visual things through touching parts of the brain. So to me, it, the, the brain is gets confused easy. And it's like when you look at things that are like, you know, um, either holograms or they try to do stuff where you, you look at it and it can make different things or you see different faces or 
all that kind of stuff is just our our minds are constantly trying to figure out the world constantly last last question here trying to figure out the world what are we doing here what's the meaning of life well our our value itself is the meaning of life i think the human flourishing is is my personal goal and i think it's a good goal for everyone since it benefits us all i dig that man i dig that a lot i think i think it's the i think it's the it's the journey not the destination you know right so i i generally say that uh, i'm an anarcho-humanist and what I mean by that is no gods, no master, do no harm and do good. That is, in a sense, my like, real quick goal, because a lot of people ask, you know, well, how am I different? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like that, like you said, you care about leftism first. I care about what is ethical first. And then I guide myself from that platform. And so in other words, like, I believe all humans own themselves. All humans are deserving to be free. All the humans have, you know, rights and dignity. Well, then obviously, like, the oppressive states and governments are, are oppressing all that. They How are. can that possibly be coherent with what I care about or my goal? Damien, you got less than uh, about, about two minutes. Um, anything you want to say to the audience out there? Uh, sure. Which I'll give insane. you a quick rundown of religion, in my, my opinion. Okay. So there's stuff that comes first, but pre-animism, to me, is from 300,000 to 100,000. This involves Neanderthals, Homo Gladi, what other Dissenovans uh, or Zovians, whatever. It, all, other uh, hominoids, more mainly to me, pre-animism. You already see symbolic behavior starting, I think, a million years ago when they start making these stone tools like teardrops. No reason to do that. They're just, it's aesthetic for some other reason. I don't think it's just aesthetic. And they're all, they're even there's uh, stone tools with a shell in the middle. So they, they intentionally did. Yeah. But anyways, so I think they may even, the Neanderthals may even have done um, animism themselves. I don't totally know by looking at their stuff. They may have even gone into totemism a little bit. I don't know. Same with the, the Disovians. But to me, really, I consider religion 100,000 years ago with humans, with burials and with animism. And then we leave Africa and animism goes to Siberia, turns into shamanism to me. 30,000 years ago, and it goes into France and uh, Germany, this area of, of Europe, and becomes the first totemism. Then shamanism goes down from um, Russia into Europe, and Europe goes from Germany um, east, and they hit each other, and then from there they become the gravitant culture, and then that goes to Siberia, um, their Lake Bacal above uh, Mongolia and China, the ideas go down there. They go over to the Americas. Anyway, so the, and then, then um, the people from Siberia, Lake Bacall, they go down into the Middle East, right? R1B DNA, and that becomes uh, Gobekli Tepe, right? So the people from Siberia, Lake Bacall, they go down into um, the area of the Middle East and where Gobekli Tepe is. And it has to do with uh, northern Levant. Turkey, southern Turkey, southeast Turkey, and, you know, um, eventually it bleeds down into both um, Palestine and into um, the um, 
uh, Iraq and Iran. Anyways, did these these people, in a sense, get there, right? And they start off with shamanism and they built it to me. But agriculture, as they're building it, it becomes pagan because the shamanism can have things like spirits and maybe even deities, but a deity to a shaman is something you kind of go to once in a while for like healing or something or for some information. It's not like a Christian God, you know what I'm saying? In other words, like a Native American has the great spirit. A great spirit can, for like some of the Nadane, actually be considered a God, not just a spirit. But it's still not really like the Christian God. People aren't like sitting there every day worshiping it, begging it, you know, like Allah, begging it five times a day, you know, bowing and all this. No, it's none of that crap. So it's a totally different thing. But under paganism, people stopped moving around as opposed to shamanism was more hunter-gatherer related cultures. In fact, all the cultures from basically Sweden up to um, the Arctic and Canada, Siberia, everything in between was all shamanism. And still has some elements all spread all a lot, including Hungarian that went down. That was actually part of the um, shamanism also. But anyway, so th th these cultures, um, they start out as shamanism, but then they start staying in one place. And they started building these totem poles and stuff out of stone. They were also doing them out of wood before and probably consistently. But they started putting more emphasis on animals because of agriculture relating like, like you can see 12,000 years ago, maybe it's 11,000. There's a, looks like a thunderbird. There's a bird with lightning bolts coming out from the bottom of its wing in the Middle East, right? Near, near the area, you know, where Gobekli Tepe general region is. Euphrates and, um, you know, river and, uh, what's the other one? Tigris. Yeah, I was trying uh, to think. The, the, anyways, so, the Fertile Crescent or the, what was that called? Yeah, Fertile, it's probably the north of the Fertile Crescent. But anyways, yeah. these, these, these people, by doing this behavior, they started doing slavery. They started doing stuff. And they also, to me, they started making into paganism. In other words, it, deities went from this abstract thing to this, this that's the whole thing. Like, the, like, it becomes more and more important, deities. I think it first starts off with animals from 13,000 to like 12,000, from probably 11,000 to 10,000. It's female deities. And then I think from uh, at least maybe 8,000 or 7,000, somewhere in there, certainly by 7,000 is male deities. And then male deities totally take over by uh, 2,000. There's almost no major like um, goddess-only religion. Even like people go, well, there's Hindus, and I'm like, yeah, and Hindus worship a whole bunch of male gods too. In fact, <clears throat> now there's like a couple, I think three or four sects. I'm not super good on Hindus, but there's three or four sects, I think, and three of them are male based, like mainly almost like monotheism, but it's more like henotheism. They worship mainly this deity with a couple other ones, semi important, but. They have, so three male, in a sense, ones and one female, but the female has other males, where the males only have male, 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 and then the female one has female with males. So anyways, it just shows to me, like, you know, the, the lingering of all this stuff. Like, shamans also originally probably were only females or mainly females or trans people or intersex people or some sort of a, a gender thing different. Um, all the, the original Siberian words for shamanism 
um, relate to uh, seem like they're more for female, which is so interesting because then by the time all this, um, you know, world religions now, it, it, the monotheism, like, you know, there's no monotheism that's really um, anything but men. So they could have called it manotheism. <laughs> which I know I, I have a blog called that, and this person got pissed off. Oh, what kind of a weird name is that? I'm, I'm just trying to make a joke on the term because monotheism doesn't involve women. So when it's a one one ruler thing, it's a man. So, what do you think about all the UFO stuff that seems to be on the public conscious now? Is it a distraction, or do you think there are? Do you think there is uh, some fire to the smoke, or smoke to the fire, whatever the saying is? I don't believe in it at all. I I don't even buy that that we can be totally sure there's even life in, somewhere in the universe. I think that we say hypotheticals goes it could. But with far as facts, we don't have them. And I How can you also, be sure that you're not even dreaming right now? How can you be well, sure well, that you're not a brain that, in the fat and I'm just a, a mad scientist? Yeah, but see, solipsism to me is easily addressed by axiology. Because axiology says, well, you have two choices. The world is fake and no one can be hurt. Or the world is real and I actions can hurt people. Thus, axiologically, I am compelled ethically to make the decision that I have to act as if life is real because the consequence of real people being hurt. So you ask like, what, what do I do? I don't worry about brain of that. I, th- I feel like that stuff. If you're asking what my belief moral actions should be, they should be ethical. I and think it, to me, yeah. Ethical man. Well, because I, I think that it's easy to not have standards. It's easy to have in a sense, a um, sliding scale to your morality. In other words, like people will say, oh, this is totally wrong. And then, then they'll go, oh, yeah, but if you do that, like there remind me of this one, one woman, she told me um, she's an anarchist, and she said, I am nonviolent 100%. I'm a total peace activist. And I said, well, I can't agree with that because I believe in self-defense and other defense. So I would never feel that that's valid for me. But And then she goes, well, unless my boyfriend cheated, then I punch him in the face. And I'm like, see, that's not morality. If your moral system truly said that violence is wrong, it wouldn't be. Well, violence is, is right if, if I feel threatened or hurt, you know. No. It, but, but I think that if you're going to be threatened or hurt, you do have the right to defend yourself. I'm just saying her position was, in a sense, ethically um, not consistent. It's internally, you know, inconsistent. And that's what I was talking about, how I want to be ethical. I want to be ethical as a way of behavior that I just do for my whole life. I don't, I don't switch how I behave with one person. I go, I want to be always trying to be a better person. You know, because I, I remember I, I thought one time, you know, nobody is friendly. But I realized that I should start trying to be a friend. Nobody seems to care. So I started valuing others. Nobody seems to give people time or seems to to act as if people mattered. I realized I need to start valuing others. I need to start treating people differently. I realized that for me, the world I wish to live in starts with me. And that when people say, what can I do? There's a lot you can do. Because just like I did yesterday, um, I was telling some person some things and, and showed her some of my art and quotes um, that I've written. And uh, she said it really touched her. 
you know, and I think that you said before, you know, what's my goal in life? My goal in life is to help others, is to be of benefit. I, I, I want to be a good person. I said, people go, I go, what, what do you really want as an anarchist? So me, I, I want to be a good person. And I, and I believe a good person is not a billionaire. I don't believe you can be a billionaire and be a good person. I agree. So, I mean, I'm mean, just saying that there's things that have to be consistent. So my behavior is consistent. Or try, try to be. Me too. I, I try I, to be consistent, but no. But try. It's, it's a goal. I was just saying is that right. I, I want, I want to be known as a kindness aficionado. And I've done. I, I have videos where I show somebody could be telling me to fuck off and all this, and how I can use my ability to just be reasonable and caring, and how their hate just doesn't win. I do. I, I've ripped people in half on the internet before. Not now because I don't get into wasting my time. But I spent one time with this guy as a psychopath. I spent. They're harder. I can still get them, but they're harder because they don't. They, they don't have this. Um, easy thing to get into their care and all that. Like one of the best ways that I, I get to people, just so you know, is the morality. If I stay morally consistent, you can't ever attack me. But I can be on a moral high ground and sit there and just attack you and attack you and attack you, and you have no justification to attack me. In other words, what I do is I hold you accountable. Like I, when people are being behavior, I say, Do you think you're a good person? Is that the behavior of what a good person is? Don't you feel ashamed for not having better behavior? The, the whole point is that, that what I call that is right there. What I did is a dignity attack. In a sense, something that makes you feel uneasy, makes you feel unsure is a dignity attack and how I, how I arrange it. So I believe the dignity tax, and there's also dignity enrichments. You know what? I really appreciate being on this show. I feel like you're doing a good job. You're helping humanity by getting the word out of that the anarchist position is reasonable. But see that what I just did there is a dignity enrichment. Understanding the dignity is how you can motivate people with positive behavior. It's understanding there's two levels to it. There's, in a sense, a dignity attack that is challenging ethically what they're doing and holding them accountable. You don't call them names. You just address the behavior. Is this behavior, like, you know what I mean by that is, I had one person that um, was saying he wanted all gays should be killed. And I said, well, I'm not gay, but I'm intersex and genderqueer. What do you feel about me? And he goes, well, I think if you're gay or like a gay, you should die. So you feel I should die. Would you kill me? Do you think that a person that kills others because he doesn't like who they are, do you think that's a good person? Is that moral behavior that we should all champion? In fact, you said you're a Christian. I was talking to this one person, and I said, why don't you get your pastor on the phone? I would like to talk to him and tell him what an exemplary person of hate you are and that you defend Christianity. Let's see if this matches up your behavior that you're showing me right now and with the love of Jesus that you say is the most important. So I'm just saying there's ways of, of talking and that's what I try to do is I, I attack what they did. And I also do night when I attack people I try to attack things they can change. 
because my goal is not to use my abilities to harm others, but to help. So my goal, in other words, like, let's say if I was arguing with you, the moment that I see that you get it, I stop fighting. Because my goal was never to fight you anyways. My goal was to help you think, help you reason. And like I said, my big goal is to be a good person, but it's not just for me. I want to inspire you also to be a good person. I've had people thank me, compliment me, even after I've said that they were doing stuff wrong. I generally try to say that you're doing stuff in error because errors can be changed. Not that you own its wrongness. I, and I know for me, I had to do it too because I, I am a high functioning sociopath because of extreme child abuse that I experienced. It made me stop giving a flippin' fuck about the whole world. And that's also why I was a conservative and right wing for until 35 when I became an atheist and realized I need to care about morality. My sociopathness hasn't changed, but my ethical standard has. Well, it's been a long night, my friend. Uh, I appreciate your philosophies. I dig it. Let's let's catch up another time. Is there anything uh-huh. you want to say to the audience uh, if they want to find you? Is there any is there any parting? Uh, comments uh, you'd like to end on? Uh, anything you want to say? The stage is yours. Go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, you can you can look me up at Damien, D-A-M-I-E-N, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at Hope, A-T-H-O-P-E. I have a website, and I have uh, about 500 videos, and I have like 500 blogs on prehistory, and, but I have stuff on anarchism and philosophy and my morality, and I explain all the stuff. And I put links and everything to so people can understand. I, I explain how I use my ability. I even have videos about how to use dignity on people. I don't teach everything I can do that, that I understand because uh, I worry that people would use it to harm others. And so I, I, I teach some stuff, but it's more like defense, like how to mentally do defense against people that are attacking you. But verbally, I mean, or mentally trying to attend online. I know how to talk to people and, and get them. But so I teach some of that stuff because I do care, but I, but I limit it because I, I had a friend that goes, man, you could really manipulate women with this. And I said, you're right. I shouldn't teach people this. Thank you, fucker. I mean, but it, but it makes me mad. Man. I, I think about, you know, ways of making the world better. And it always disgusts me. When people are like, yeah, and we could kill with that or, you know, harm with that. It's just like, God, seriously? Anyways, so that my, my thing is that I think that we should try to be better people every day. And, and also, to me, I would say in general, what I've learned is that I need to be willing to change. That where I'm at right now may just be for this moment. It may be the best I can do with this understanding or with the, the information I've given. But so like you said about making mistakes, I'm not, this goes back to, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying every choice is, is you know, golden. I, I strive for it to be. And uh, that's the, the point I think I want for other people to realize. And that's also what inspires my anarchism. It is an ethical persuasion that I want to treat everyone equal that makes me realize the only way is anarchism. <laughs> I'm down, man. The only way is anarchism. Uh, we got to save this planet from these psychopaths that 
are in control of world government. I wish the world uh, was run by morality, but unfortunately it seems to be run by force. Uh, and the United States has uh, the largest military in the world. And sometimes uh, when you have a hammer, all the problems, when you have the world's biggest hammer, uh, sometimes all the problems look like a nail in the world. So, but I I'm think I just said, I think it's also imperialism, which I say in general. I think all states end up with imperialism. It, the only reason small states are good is because they can't be the big ones. If they were big, they would do the same shit. So I, I, that's why I, they could get away with it. They would, no doubt. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Some people are like, well, America distinctly is fucked up. They're all fucked up. They, they, and they, and if you give them enough, it's like religion too. If you give religions enough power, they all want to dominate. I mean, the Hindus want to dominate. You know, the um, India. There's other religions in India, but Hindu. The Muslims want to dominate things. The Christians want to dominate. Jews want to dominate. These really, if they're given power, they want to control it, just like states. But remember, religions and hierarchies is is this, this similar thing. Like if you look up the origin of the word hierarchy, go look it up. I guarantee you'll be surprised to find out it's about religion. It's a religious set of things. States adopted it, but like I told you, if you go watch my videos on it too, I explained the first states, first kings, first you know all this stuff, but. What happened is, like I told you, they were king priests. So when they when they were king, it was already they were head of the religion anyways. The religion is just, and statism was was totally unified. And so, like I said, they adopted completely the hierarchical system, which, like you said, is also in capitalism and, and you know all kinds of other stuff. So the hierarchy to me is more important. When people talk about states as an anarchist. The most important thing to me is hierarchy, human dignity, and hierarchy. The, the fact that 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 both of them, you know are not together like you can't have high dignity and then high hierarchy give me a break all right my friend let's catch up again have a good night it's getting late all right take care adios thank you for listening to necessary illusions i also want to thank my special guest damien marie at hope for a great discussion on politics, philosophy, morality, and many other things. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters, I'm out.